This is the Oracle Podcast with Ben Woa. All right, what's up, everyone? It's PB. Uh, welcome back to another episode of The Oracle. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Um, this has been a really good week, a really productive week. I'm here at Camp Hope in British Columbia for the BC Camp Meeting, uh, the theme Reflecting Christ's Character. It's been an awesome week. Uh, been at The Wave. The Wave has been really amazing with Pastor Moses and the team leading out there. And uh, now I'm uh, speaking at the Early Teens Tent, and that's been a huge blessing just uh, being able to hang out and talk with the 13, 14 year olds this week. And uh, yeah, it's just been an awesome week here at Camp Hope. Yeah, so lots and lots of con- content coming out very soon. I've had a lot of time and had a lot of time to focus on the podcast, getting interviews done. So now it's just putting on the intros and the outros and just explaining to you guys what's going on. So uh, this next, this episode that you guys are currently listening to, we have Ron Maitland. Uh, Ron is a mentor of mine, someone I look up to, and he's uh, just a constant leader here in Lower Mainland BC. And so uh, I really look forward for you guys to listen to this interview and hear his story and how God has told him just to restore uh, the place around him, restore the people around him. So stay tuned. I hope you're blessed uh, by this episode. Ron Maitland. I, I guess I'm from here in Vancouver, I live in Surrey, mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in the Caribbean, the West Indies. Um, I'm a teacher, a social entrepreneur, um, church leader, and uh, husband and father. Wow. And uh, so right now, we're blessed, those who are listening, uh, Ron Maitland is in the house. You guys don't know, if you already <laughs> don't know, if you know him already, this man is a living legend, and I'm blessed. Uh, his daughter, Alice, is here, Thank she's you. working Very on gracious. stuff. Close by, Love and so uh, <laughs> she's there to keep him accountable for the stories he's telling. Yeah, <laughs> um, Uncle Ron, I just want to just uh, let's get started. So, um, when I asked you like a theme that you found in your life, something yeah. that you've experienced and that you've uh, come to understand what God's always trying to teach you to do, mm-hmm. um, you told me about restoration. Yes, and restoring people around you, uh, restoring uh, concepts around you, bringing things back, because I think that's God's calling for humanity to restore. But um, before you realize that, Mm. um, I think uh, before we kind of get where God's taking us, Mm -hmm. sometimes we live a different life. Yes, definitely. So uh, what was your walk with God like before all this? Well, I I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor, Mm -hmm. and I've just retired now, but I grew up in the church my entire life and um, took a lot of things for granted, like so many, probably many of our listeners. Um, lived a life where, you know, you go, you get up, you go to church, you're in Christian schools. I did all that stuff, and um, a couple things happened. I started living, especially when I came, moved to Vancouver. Um, I really started living a double life. I had one life that I lived as a as a teacher, um, and even in church, and then I would party on the weekends, and uh, that started a whole second life for me, where I looked one way to uh, on the stage and in front of people. And it was a completely different way off when it came to my party life, I don't know, how I ran my relationships. I was, I was single at the time, but I went from, from person to person to person. And I really was living my life for me. And I don't know how much detail you want me to get into, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that. 
Yeah. So, like, what? Yeah. What did that look like? Because I think, uh, I mean, not necessarily. You don't have to go into detail of things you did, but like, kind of like the mentality behind it. Because I mean, I, as a chaplain, as a pastor, I work with young people, mm-hmm. and uh, they struggle with wanting to live like a double life, yeah. or uh, they feel tempted to do things yeah. that you yeah. know maybe they weren't raised to do it, yeah. and uh, sometimes they're wondering like, you know, is it just that? Like, is it good to just do what you're supposed to do without believing it, or is it better to just uh, taste what the world's offering? Yeah. You know, like so. Like, what was your mentality? What was going well, on? I live my life. I live my life so much of my life for me. The question I asked myself. I remember we went on tour. I was at uh, what's now Berman University, mm-hmm. and we went on we went on tour out there for you know how many weeks. And I just remember the biggest question I asked myself is how many clubs can I get into? <laughs> you know, like we stayed just a little bit close to the Mona, uh, where the Louvre is and the Mona Lisa and stuff like that. I never got to see the Mona Lisa because I was too busy clubbing. Wow. We went to Germany. It was the year that the wall came down. I could have seen the wall. I was too busy clubbing. You know, I was so, <laughs> I was so busy focused on, on me. And the primary question I asked myself is what makes me happy? What do I want? How do I live my life to accomplish my goals? And my goals at the time, in many ways, were just my own happiness. Um, how, I'm big into house music at the time, and, mm-hmm. you know, from Toronto originally. And so, you know, what, what's, what, you know what's, what's the, where's the music at? That was a big mm-hmm. thing. It was a big, big time into mu- music. And um, it, that, that satisfied itself only for so long. And the whole life that came along with that, whether it was girls, whether it was just uh, seeking attention, I very much was, was seeking attention. I had to have the right clothes, you know, and the right name brands. I would only buy clothes that had name brands on the outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it didn't have it, I was just talking to one of my roommates. I just flew back from New York last week, and my roommate in university is a broker on Wall Street, and we we're just saying, remember when we wouldn't buy unless it said Versace or Hugo Boss or whatever? Wow. And if it didn't say it on the outside, <laughs> we wouldn't do it. People had to know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> that was wow. huge for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. So um, living my life for me was my focus. Living my life to go, okay, what, wh- how, how do I get what I want? How do I use people so I can be happy? Mm-hmm. How do I uh, you know, gain success? And then the success for me, I was, I was on my way to becoming a lawyer. Um, and teaching was just kind of a side thing that I was going to do for a, few, for a couple years. And um, it, there's a whole change that I'll talk about later that really had to happen in my life that God had to really come really strong with me mm-hmm. to shift things around for me but not before I blew a lot of things up I blew a lot of people up I blew organizations up in, in, in a sense um, because there are people that left there are people that left my life um, and it was my fault and, and frankly a lot of times I didn't care I was like see ya it's your loss mm-hmm. you know and, and not, and not I, I still sometimes say that today Ellis right <laughs> But but the truth is, I said it in a in an arrogant way, like um, like like it's all about me. And now I feel differently. And again, I'll talk more about that later. Because now I feel like um, God has given something to me that I have an opportunity to bless others mm-hmm. with, and He's working in my life and through my life. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity to do that. And so now, if I say it's your loss, I I think differently about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, do you think that like um, what drives uh, people just to kind of live a life uh, against uh, what they were raised is just to please themselves. Uh, I I can speak for myself. I just I know for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would wake up every morning and I ask myself, what do I want to wear? What serves me? What kind of music do I like? Um, and really, my primary dominant orientation was around myself, 
my boys, uh, who I was hanging out with, how I looked, uh, you know, what I would drive. Like it was really all about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and today I have an opportunity to meet, you know, I've just, I don't do it anymore, but I spent, you know, a couple decades now, you know, with people from all over the world, you know, teaching people from different, different countries. And it was amazing to see that human reaction, the same mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, what, what do I want? What do I get? Mm-hmm. And it's very different now. God, God has a different orientation for us. And I think we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. And yeah. so then, uh, just kind of just a last question about your, your past, um, being a pastor's kid, yeah. being raised in the church, going to SDA schools, etc. Mm. Uh, why wasn't that stuff appealing to you? You know, in the sense Which of I mean, making part. it like, yeah, making it all all part of your life. Like, why wasn't it that like uh, you didn't become a big, huge like 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 why did you slip away to yeah. do whatever yeah. you wanted yeah. on the weekends, etc. Like, why wasn't uh, church like the most important thing to you that you wouldn't want to do those other things yeah and you know what i i I said i live a double life i i always knew god was important in Mm. in my mind i always felt so i never felt like anything i was learning was wrong or bad Mm. um and so i was never leaving the church i I know there are people that are listening that that may left. i i never left and i had no intention of leaving i i just wanted to add that because i felt i was missing out on you know what what was what was out there i felt like i lived a, a life that that in the, for my first few years of life was very very sheltered in many respects i didn't and when i realized wait a minute i can drive when i want i can come in when i want i can be with whoever i want to be i can go where i want to go and um it, when i had freedom i mean it, it really started like my last year of high school i started doing it and then when I went away to university, I left Toronto and I went to Berman University. And I was like, I can come in when I want. In fact, I remember getting a job at the front desk at what's now <laughs> Berman University because I could sign out. I could sign myself out. I could sign other people. I could hook people up. That's right. That's right. Because that's right. <laughs> right. it was all about freedom. I really felt I, I gained a new level of, of, of freedom at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never wanted to, and answer your question, I never wanted to leave the church. Okay. I, I just wanted, all, I didn't want to miss out on anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to miss uh, all the things that I saw some of the people doing. Some of my friends inside the church, a lot of my friends outside the church, I, I just felt like they were doing things that I wanted to do. I felt they were listening to music mm-hmm. I wanted to listen to. I felt that they were, they, they were engaged in life that I wanted to engage in. So I lived both. Mm-hmm. I would, so I'd stay up late Friday night and I'd get up on Saturday morning. You know, even even teaching here, even teach. I was a teacher at Fraser Valley. I remember teaching at Fraser Valley my first year, and you know, I'd stay late Friday night at Seventh Adventist. I'd stay late there Friday night, and then I would go downtown mm-hmm. and party. Wow! <laughs> you know, wow. get up, come to church the next day, <laughs> and 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 sing songs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow! <laughs> you know, and um, I, I say that. And we'll talk about kind of what happened, what made that change for me. But I really was thinking about me. I never thought about my impact. Um, actually, part, one of the first things that actually started a change for me was I remember because I loved dancing, loved dancing. Bro- broke my knee out at university dancing on the dance floor. <laughs> broke my kneecap. That's how much I was into dancing. Dan- you know, I had to wear a cast for six weeks. Didn't stop me from going back out to the club again. Wow. Went on discipline committee at, at Berman University. Like, like, got in trouble with the dis- discipline committee for, for leaving the dorm. Uh, I guess Maple Hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, came here, got into dancing. All the DJs knew my name, hung out. Uh, when I leave here today, I'm still going to uh, go meet one of my friends I met downtown at the time. He's the owner of Vancouver Fashion Week. And I met him in the club. And the whole idea for me was 
all about having people look at me. So I remember mm-hmm. dancing, having people circle around, a whole circle around me. And uh, it was funny because it was just when another church was starting at the time, locally here. And uh, I was asked to be the worship leader for the church. And all of a sudden, I, I was going to be on the stage in church. And I started realizing, even though I'd been on stages my whole life, that when you're focusing on reaching people that don't believe in God, all of a sudden, these I, I realized, like I remember the thought could happen, wait a minute, some of the people that I was at a club with last night could actually walk in the church and see me on the stage mercy, the next day. Mercy. And all, that, that hit me, that the idea of, of living a double life to that standard and having people walk away from God because of me, that really hit me. And I remember, I remember the day I stopped clubbing. The day I stopped clubbing was the day I had an entire dance floor and everyone was looking at me, everybody. Um, and my, my other friend, who I won't name, Phil Cox. <laughs> we both, <laughs> former BC Lion, long-time friend, love you, Phil. Um, we, both were, we, both were, had, had, we both were having a dance competition, and the entire club downtown on Richard Street was looking at us, like everyone. And I just remember thinking, wait a minute. I remember, I remember when I stepped out of the club and I said, God, I'm not willing to stop. <laughs> Help me to be willing, to be willing. Wow. Help me to be willing to be willing, because I'm not willing to stop. I, I so enjoy doing this. And I just remember, I, took, I had taken about four or five steps out of the club that day. And I can remember when I prayed that prayer, I looked down, I could still see the sidewalk. And I remember, honestly, the desire left. <laughs> the desire to, to live that double life, it left me that day. And I uh, haven't been back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, like... What is it like? Just to back up a little bit, because um, you said something that was really profound to me, and something that I hear a lot amongst uh, my peers, amongst um, <clears throat> people, the younger people. Mm. It's that concept of uh, possibly missing out, mm. Mm-hmm. possibly missing out, and mm-hmm. it's like that's what I experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I experienced that. Because um, right, yeah. I knew, I knew, um, yeah, I never, I never wanted to disbelieve God. It's not that I didn't right. believe in God. Yeah, yeah. It's not that I was like, I want to leave the church and start going to other religions or yeah. I don't believe. It's yeah. not about yeah. that. But I, I didn't want, yeah. I didn't want to miss out. Mm-hmm. How do we break that? Like, what, what is it that makes us even think about it? That like, it's like, what is that feeling? Yeah. Well, I, like, like we'll talk about in a minute, the story. I didn't have a concept of the story that I was in. Mm. That was number one. And a big piece of that story, as we'll talk about in a minute, is an experience of God. I knew about God. I'd, get, I'd, I'd been baptized when I was 12 years old. And uh, I grew up, I had a major amount of friends inside the church. Mm. So I had a whole social network inside the church. I had some friends outside, but really most of my friends were actually inside the church. Um, and so... I just, I just, you know, how do we break that? How do we change what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as we'll talk about in a minute, the idea of knowing the story that we're in. For some reason, I know, I'm sure my parents taught it to me. I'm sure my church taught it to me. But there's a part, the whole picture that God is doing. I, w- I just didn't have that picture in my mind. And let alone a, 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 a relationship, a conversational, ongoing experience of him, of his presence and power, such that it would transform me and help bring that change and that presence and power into the world, into, into every environment I'm in, which is what we're going to talk about. Yeah, so let's get into it. Tell, yeah. me, tell me about this revelation and what, what God revealed to you that you were able to fully leave it behind. Yeah, well, again, the, the, 
there was there were there there's multiple parts and you know I don't know how much time you no, have. No, go but ahead. Go the ahead. The big thing was that uh, that day at the Toyota Club uh, it started because I was I real I, I became part of something bigger than me. I think that um, not to philosophize too much, but when somebody real when you realize you are part of a larger story or a bigger picture, whether that's the picture of God or whether that's the community that you're in, once you feel part of something bigger, you're part of a larger family. When you feel responsible for and to something beyond yourself. I think things things change, and that was that was true for me. I started realizing, wait a minute, and especially when it came to that club thing, I don't want to embarrass or bring shame or disrespect on God and my church, which is so focused on reaching people that are lost, that are far from Him. I didn't want that, and that was enough to start making my my ears turn and make me say, you know what, God, help me to change, help me to change, to stop being hypocritical. It's changed to stop being the kind of person that's only focused on myself. Help me to represent you well. When, once, the, once words like ambassador, representative, you know, start, start hitting my life, I started realizing I'm, I need to represent well. I don't want people to walk away. I believe this is true. I think it's kind of always there. This relationship and this opportunity is always there. But I, people that don't know, they're going to walk away from this thing because all they see is me and they're going to see me as a bad example. So um, I, I think when that happens, things change. And uh, I remember taking a trip and now fast forward now as part of this church for a long time where we reached so many people that didn't believe, people that had no church background at all. And again, I didn't grow up around that. I grew up around church my entire life. And so there was a whole orientation on learning. How do you talk with Friends that don't really know, like for real. <laughs> How do you listen well? Um, what does that look like to actually engage your life? Um, but I remember one day when I came here at Church in the Valley. Soon after, I was I took a trip with uh, with Pastor Doncey, ironically, and uh, and uh, a couple of the people. We went down to Atlanta. John Maxwell has a company called Catalyst uh, for people that are forty and under. And uh, we went down there, and I'll never forget sitting there. And I got rocked that day, October 2010. <laughs> and I just remember this guy got up. His name's Gabe Lyons. He has, he has a website called qideas.org. And uh, he had just written a book called The Next Christians. And he told the story that day, the gospel. He says, most of us think about the story. If you say, what is the gospel? Like everyone listening right now asks, us, what is the gospel? And uh, if I had answered that question, I would have said, the gospel is... Uh, we sinned, and thank God Jesus came and died and rose again. <laughs> and we get to join him in heaven, especially as Adventists. And we get to join him in that. We need to tell the people about, about the good news that they get to go to heaven with him. And that's it. That was my story. And I had chopped off the ends of a story. And I, you know, I, I teach, I lead, I'm in, in business. I'm, I'm, uh, I coach TED, you know, TEDx speakers sometimes. Um, and we talk a lot about the power of the story. <laughs> But I was living a, uh, an incomplete story. I didn't realize the gospel is four words. <laughs> Number one, creation. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he made shalom, perfect, whole, beautiful, lovely, pure. <laughs> Word two, fall. We sinned. We messed it up. <laughs> Word three, redemption. Jesus came as a loving king, died, and rose again. <laughs> Word four restoration we have the opportunity to join the god of the universe in all things and making all things new and not just joining god by the power of his holy spirit 
in helping to tell people about the good news. See, this is where I got off because I got off because I was thinking we just got to spread the word. We just have to tell people that God loves them. It was a it was a, it was a personal thing. As opposed to, wait a minute, God's calling you into an epic story. This story is huge. God not is not just transforming people, He's transforming systems. We get there are seven mountains of cultural influence. Whether that's media, whether that's education, whether that's business, whether that's so, like there's so many ways in which culture shifts, and we get to join God in helping to shift education so it lines up. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does life look like in God's kingdom? People are treated with love and wholeness and fairness, shalom. So the idea that we could join God, that we could, that I was part of a bigger picture. Man, that changed me. So, yeah. so what does it mean to change education? What does it mean to change business? What does it mean to, to shift the music industry? What does it mean to shift and be a part of, of the fashion industry in such a way that treat our people with dignity and respect and wholeness? What does it mean? Like, wait a minute. That's just bigger than me going to heaven. That's just bigger than me going to church on the right day. That's just bigger than me, you know, uh, uh, and I, I love all of these things. So, so hear me, hear me. Uh, this is just bigger than me, you know, knowing the right, you know, what prophet to listen to and, and the health message. There's a larger, more epic story going on. And we get to join him in that. Man, but that changes everything. I'm not just saved from something. I'm saved to something. I have a presence and a purpose. I grew up thinking that the highest call in my life could be like my dad would be to, to, to be, be a pastor in the church. Like if you're really sold out to God, then you become a pastor. <laughs> well, now I realize, wait a minute, we get to pastor in music. We get to pastor in business. We get to pastor in education, in law. We get to pastor in, in accounting. And we get to shift not just the, 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 the atmosphere of, that, of the people there, but we get to join the God of the universe in shifting the whole industry, in shifting culture and making God famous. Wow, 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 that's powerful. Because I think um, sometimes we feel like we're missing out because we don't know what our purpose is. Yeah, yeah. We feel like we're missing out. We feel kind of, uh, you know, it becomes too routine because we don't know what the what we're driven to do. Because yeah. if it's just going to heaven, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as amazing as heaven is, as of much course. as I look forward to heaven, yeah. uh, you know, some people are just like, well, what's the point? That's right, that's right. But when you know that well, there's an active, it's an active thing to follow Jesus. That's right. That's a right. A daily thing to follow Jesus. That that's right. Constantly not just, it's not just for you, it's for everyone around you. That's right. So you're trying to bring them towards mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, that's exactly right. And, and you know, I mean, growing up, growing up Adventist with an amazing father, you know, both my parents have their PhDs, both my parents, my, my dad, I watch, I watch, I watch, Ben, I've watched thousands of people come to Christ. Thousands. You know, um, my dad probably maybe not like me saying this, but I think he still holds the record for like the most amount of baptisms in one uh, campaign, certainly in Canada. Wow. You know? Um, yeah, I just watch, I watch hundreds of people get baptized in, you know, four or five weeks when he moves to Toronto. I, and they're still there, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> you know? Good. Uh, they're, they're still great family friends. We just celebrated my parents' 50th wedding anniversary last year in Grenada. Mm. Right, Ellis? And... We, you know, we flew to Grenada and, you know, there were almost 100, 100 people there, <laughs> you know, as part of that. Much of them flew down from Toronto all over. I've seen lives transform. You with me? Mm -hmm. And somehow I just missed this part of the idea that, wait a minute, eternity starts now. We get to join God in, in hope and action 
now. <laughs> so instead of just looking at the, the who is president or prime minister in the political world and saying, wait a minute, we got to count down, the beast is coming. Um, it, the question becomes this, how can I join God in helping to make politics the way that he would want it? What does life look like in God's kingdom? What does it mean for the marginalized and the under-resourced to have what it is that they need? What does it mean to shift education so it's fair for everyone? What does it mean to shift business? What does it mean to shift music? What does it mean to shift all these different areas? Because God is doing something and we get to join him in that. So as a person coming out of high school, this is the thing that I don't, I, I don't know how I missed this, but as a person coming out of high school, instead of thinking, wait a minute, the highest calling is not to be any one particular profession, like say, you know, full-time ministry per se. There's lots of ways in which that ministry could look like. And I, as if I decide I'm gonna be a, a, an accounting, if I'm gonna decide I'm gonna start my own business, I understand I wanna be in music, if I decide I wanna be, be in engineering, uh, if I just, no matter what it is, joy, God has a view, God has a dream. Try this, Google the phrase God's dream and see what you find. You don't find very many things. So we don't realize, we don't think about God having a dream. We don't think that God has a desire for not just our lives, but for the world. <laughs> not just for, not just for our, our, us as per people, but for the way that the world should work, the way that, 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 that systems should look. So we get to join him in that. When I realized, wait a minute, I get to join God, not just in being involved in business, but I actually say, okay, what can, how can we shift business in such a way that can, we can use it for the common good? We can actually fund the different industries and movements and, and things that need to happen in the world so that people's lives get better? Everything changes. Wow. Yeah. So how do you shift your mentality to seeing that though? Like what do you have to do so that you can understand that God's calling is not just for you to get to heaven, but it's for the whole world to try and reach his, his uh, original state. Yeah. That's the purpose. How do you change that in your mind? Well, I'll, I'll just tell you something that happened in the last three years for me. And it's still an ongoing journey for me. Um, and this is a little bit dicey. I don't even know if you want to include this next part in the podcast. It'll be up to you. Um, the Holy, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you something. I realize that there's a, the idea of the Holy Spirit and his presence and power and how God wants to work in and through people in a present, active basis is one, again, I, was, I just missed it. And you know, three years ago, one of many mentors that I have, I, I would sit down with and he says, Ron, how does you, what does your prayer life look like? <laughs> what, does your life, what, what does your prayer life look like? Is it you talking to God or is it God talking to you? And I'm like, it's me talking to God, God. Help me not get a speeding ticket. <laughs> uh, God, God, help this situation, this business situation to work out. God, help me to get this lesson plan together. God, it, it's, it's a lot of requests. You know? He says, have you, ever, have you ever tried this? Have you ever tried writing, listening to God by writing this at the top of your paper? Write the date. Write down the word, your name, Ron, comma, and then write what you hear God saying to you. Have you ever done that? I go, no. He says, well, you're in your 40s now. <laughs> you might want to consider trying that. And so, Ben, I, I kid you not, I started doing that, and everything started shifting for me in so many respects. This idea of actually not just a life about God, but actually listening to his voice on a daily basis, hearing him. And I don't do this every day, to be clear. But the idea of going, okay, Ron, 
comment. And the first day I did this, I remember the first day I did this, here's what happened. And I told this story here at church. I was on the SkyTrain going downtown and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try this. <laughs> <laughs> so I opened up my journal and I go, okay. Uh, I think it was January 23, 2016. And I said, Ron, comma. Uh, I know you think this is not gonna work. <laughs> I know you think that this is a waste of time. Uh, but I have more for you than you can ever hope to imagine. And all of a sudden, as I was writing that, Ben, I hear next to me, I hear this person next to me saying, um, yeah, I won't be coming into work today. Uh, I've been taking care of my son. My son has pneumonia. Uh, not pneumonia, my son has asthma. And he is, um, we were in the emergency room with him all night. And then I heard this, why don't you pray for her? I'm like, no, God, I'm not going to be bullhorn guy. I'm not going to be that guy on the SkyTrain. I'm on a crowded SkyTrain going downtown. Everyone's in their power suits and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be that guy. You know that guy? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm not going to be that guy with the bullhorn, the sign, turn or burn. I don't want to be that guy, man. God help me. No. He's like, well, you can just give her advice. Uh, but why do you think I put you on the train with her at this time? I'm the healer. I'm in charge. I'm in control. You said you wanted more with me, more of me. Why don't you try this? So I turned to her and I said, okay. I said, uh, do you mind if I pray with you? Uh, I Actually, the first thing I said was, um, did I hear that your son has asthma? She looks at me, she's like, yeah. I go, I have asthma too. So does my son. I said, uh, do you mind if I pray with you? <laughs> she looks at me, she looks around, she goes, sure. Well, so I, well. I start praying with her. We're in a crowded sky train. People are around, they can hear. Um, I start praying with her. God, help, help her, help. Uh, and I still remember her name's Flavia. God, help Flavia, help her son. Um, oh, you need to, let me pause for a minute. I lost my brother when I was 12 years old, uh, Ben. And when my brother died when I was 12, it, was, it made it hard for me to pray, like, strong. It made it hard for me to pray strong because I felt like I prayed so hard for my brother to live and he still died. I figured for many, many years, man, God's going to do what God's going to do. What's the point of praying? <laughs> He's God. I'm not. He knows better than me. So, okay, whatever he wants to do. So it's, it was hard for me to pray for, like, healing or for things to shift because I'm like, God's going to do what he's going to do anyways. <laughs> um and so for many, many years, and even frankly to this day, it's it to say, God, this is what I want you to do, and here's why. Like, that's a struggle for me. <laughs> you know, it'd be, it was an even more of a struggle for me for many, many years. So going back now, I said, so God, bring healing. If it be your will, bring healing and wholeness to her son. Uh, uh, we want that, and we ask for this not just later, but we ask for this right now in your holy name. Amen. I look up, it's our stop. She's crying. I could feel tears in my eyes. And she says to me, thank you. That's exactly what I needed. <laughs> and she walks off. And then here's what I heard. And Ron, that's exactly what you needed. <laughs> you needed to know that I am more. I can be more in your life. I can do more in and through you than you can ever imagine or think. <laughs> and so a life with God, that was the first time I tried it. <laughs> 
And since I can tell you story after story of, of many times since that time where that life with God is different than being oriented to me. <laughs> it's a, the idea that there's an adventure happening, the expectancy uh, uh, that, that God can do something through me and through our family and through our church and through my work and through our business and through friends. And the fact that God's doing something, that he's sovereign, that he's in control and he can shift things. And that's, that, that living with that awareness makes every life an adventure. <laughs> Well, it makes looking at, at everything going on with hope and action and say, I can take action here based on what God's asked me to do. So, wow. it's exciting. Wow. Uncle Ron, just, uh, okay, well, let's, we're going to close up. I want to, I want you just to speak to listeners right now in the sense of, um, if someone out there is uh, struggling with wanting to live a double life. Mm-hmm struggling and not realizing this uh, their purpose mm-hmm. so that they can be committed to God fully mm-hmm. you know what would you tell them um, well just the th- last thing I just said this idea of just taking whether it's taking out a journal I don't know whether some people are not necessarily writers so whether that's that's writing it down or just taking the time to walk in nature or whatever it is for the individual and actually instead of doing the talking starting to do what's called listening prayer where I actually say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? Um, something that uh, I've been doing recently is saying, God, what do you love about me? What, what do you love about me? Because I, I look in the mirror and I, I look at my figure. I think of my, my, whether it's my bank account or I look at my, my leadership or I look at my job or my business or I look at my relationship. I look at so many things and I want them to be so much more. I'm excited about where they're at, but I want to be so much more. And my tendency is to look at the negative or what's not there, what's going wrong, or what, where, where, where I'm not. <laughs> and to hear God say, I love you. You're my treasure child. There's nothing you can do to lose my love. I'm crazy about you. Uh, I sing over you in the night. <laughs> uh, to hear that and to live from that place makes all the difference in the world. <laughs> So I would encourage people to just start doing listening prayer where they say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? And write it down. It's amazing what would happen. You do that once, two times a week, every day, three times a month, whatever it is for somebody. Um, That transformed my life in the last few years. And I know I could do it for other people too. All right, that's it for the episode of The Oracle. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening into Uncle Ron's story. And I hope you guys have been blessed. And remember that your story matters your personal story whatever you've gone through and how you've seen god is always important to take note of all right so we have more content like i said before uh coming out very very soon so uh keep paying attention to the oracle page uh keep being active and stay blessed